The following program is sponsored by the Jelinski Advisory Group, which is solely responsible for its content. Josh Jelinski is the president of Wealth Quarterback, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm located in New Jersey. Registration is not an endorsement of the firm or its representatives by securities regulators, nor is it an indication that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Investment advisory services may only be provided to clients in jurisdictions in which the firm and its representatives are appropriately registered or exempt from registration. You should not assume that any discussion or information contained in this broadcast serves as the receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or product, or any non-investment related content made reference to directly or indirectly in this broadcast will be profitable, equal any corresponding indicated historical performance level or levels, be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation or prove successful. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investment advisory services offered through Wealth Quarterback LLC. Tired of losing money in the stock market roller coaster? Frustrated with the government taxing you into oblivion? Worried about inflation? How do you prepare for so many financial uncertainties? Welcome to the show that will help you develop your game plan. The Financial Quarterback with Josh Jelinski. Josh is a noted financial advisor and president of the Jelinski Advisory Group. And he's here to answer your questions. Call into the show at 800-321-0710. 800-321-0710. 710. Now, let's kick off your financial future. Here's Josh Jelens. On all matters financial, if you have questions, we really want to hear from you. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. We are live, unscripted, uncensored, shockingly raw. Some call this breakfast with Josh. All you got to do is pick up the phone now, 888-988-JOSH. We are live, so you can ask me any financial question you have. Call us now, 800-321-0710. Got a lot to talk about. The market is moving upward, but some say that's a bear market rally. The... Also, the S&P 500 is changing its composition. How will that affect you? And a lot were predicting economic doom. Why hasn't it happened yet? I'll talk about those issues and more, but I always want to hear from you. So pick up the phone and give us a call, 800 321 0710 and Heineken and other companies basically have been telling us that they boycotted Russia. Recent news suggests that that really isn't the case. So give us a call now 800 321 0710. That's 800-321-0710. Get you on with me, Josh Jelinski, the Financial Quarterback Live. So, Heineken, Sabaro Pizza. I don't know who goes there anymore, but I remember that when I was a kid. TGI Fridays and WeWork said they would leave Russia 
in response to the war against Ukraine. Investigators are saying it's still business as usual. This from yahoonews.com. So what do you think about that? Do you think they should pull out? I, I don't know if they should pull out or not, but what I think uh, is is pretty lame is when you promote something like you virtue signal and then you don't do anything about it. So Heineken, Sabaro, uh, also Unilever, Oreo, Mondelez, accused of breaking promises to leave Russia. So Yahoo News told us about some. Matt Egan of CNN uh, calls it shameful and unethical. More than a 1,000 major companies pledged to leave Russia after Putin launched his war in Ukraine, but some well-known firms stand accused by research of violating their pledge. Not every company on the list left, but more than a 1,000 exited. That unprecedented corporate exodus, championed and chronicled by Yale professor Jeff Sonnenfeld, dealt a serious and symbolic blow to Moscow and the Russian economy. Now, as Russia's brutal war in Ukraine blows past the 500-day mark, Sonnenfeld and others are naming and shaming a slew of companies they accuse of breaking their promises to leave or at least dramatically scale back their presence in Russia, including these well-known companies, Heineken, Unilever, Philip Morris, International, and Oreo maker Mondelez. The Yale researcher shared exclusively with CNN is based on whistleblowers, on-the-ground experts, students operating inside Russia, corporate documents, and news media reports. These companies are breaking their promises. They are functioning as wartime profiteers. It's beyond disappointing. It's shameful and unethical. So why do you think it's wrong for these companies to do business in Russia? Is it because you're anti-war, you're anti-Russia, or you're just anti-lying about something? I think that's probably what gets most people. Sonnenfeld, who has testified before Congress about companies leaving Russia, is not accusing these corporations of breaking the law. He argues that by staying in Russia, they are breaking a moral code and simultaneously self-immolating their own brands. Consumers should realize that by buying Oreo cookies, they're endorsing something that fuels Putin's war machine. Or using Unilever soap, although I like Unilever soap. The poster child for this problem is the popular Dutch brewing giant Heineken, Sonnenfeld said. In March 2022, just one month after the invasion of Ukraine, Heineken won praise for promising to leave Russia. Yale even gave Heineken its highest grade of A, reserved for companies making a clean break. 
However, 16 months later, Heineken still has seven breweries and 1,800 employees in Russia, according to Yale. Not only that, but Heineken has since a bunch of new brands in Russia, gobbling up market share caused by the exodus of the other major beer brands. That's pretty lame. They're not pulling out. They are doubling down, said Yale Chief Executive Leadership Institute's Stephen Tian. Yale has now downgraded Heineken to a D, finding that the company continues to drag its heels on actually exiting under the guise that it is awaiting Russian regulatory approvals for its sale to go through. By contrast, other major companies took massive write-downs to fulfill their commitments, including BP and ExxonMobil. It's nothing but institutional inertia or ideological arrogance makes no sense. The symbolism today implies an endorsement of the Putin regime. So Mondelez still says it employs 3,000 people. Uh, Unilever, the company behind Dove Soap, Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream, and Lipton Tea pledged to only sell essential goods to Russia. Yet Unilever is still selling Cornetto ice cream and other consumer goods in Russia, according to Sonnenfeld's team. Unilever declined to comment, but referred questions to a February statement where the company said it continues to condemn the war in Ukraine as a brutal and senseless act by the Russian state. I think we would all agree with that for the most part. But explained that Russia, leaving Russia is not straightforward without handing the assets to the government. We're hurting employees there. That may be true. The Kiev School of Economics. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, if you leave, do you leave? Do you give your assets to Putin? A bar of Dove soap starts to look pretty dirty when there are enough of them being produced to purchase a Russian tank. I don't know. I'm not giving up Dove soap for this one. I like Dove soap. Uh, you know, you know why um, I remember one of my family members has skin issues and they use all those organic things and they cause all kinds of eczema breakouts. Dove doesn't the uh, sensitive skin dove. So I don't want my beloved family members to suffer due to the war in Ukraine. But anyway, uh, I'm of Ukrainian descent. So I, I take what Russia is doing very seriously, but I think it's interesting whenever there's an economic dimension. So several fast food chains are still operating in China more than a year after McDonald's and Starbucks decided to exit. Sonnenfeld's team found that Sabaro stole its location, operating in Moscow that appears to be supported by a Russian-language website. Sabaro did not... Okay, so they found one location. <laughs> Does Sabaro even exist or was that someone's, like, licensing of the name from 30 years ago? Carl's Jr. has 17 operated, but he said they're all independently owned and operated. Carl's Jr. added that the Instagram page is not owned or operated by CK. So some of these people are, you know, saying, well, you know, it wasn't really the case. They're probably accurate. You know, business is much more complex and messy than our real life things. So what do you think?
What do you think about this? Is it shameful? Is it unethical? Give us a call. I want to hear from you. And then up next, S&P 500, which has a lot of your mutual funds making a big change. I will tell you what that is. But first, we're going to go to Gordon. Go ahead. Over the past couple of weeks, you've had two gentlemen on who talk about how you can um, retire on the dividends from dividend-paying stocks, and uh, they claim you can get a very substantial dividend of, uh, I guess, 8% or perhaps even more um, in some cases by picking the right dividend-paying stocks. Um, what do you think? What do you personally think would be a reasonable uh, dividend level to go for in your stock investments? Not wanting to uh, go too get too risky. Sure, uh, I think you go with, with companies that have a wide cash moat. Uh, I've generally seen, you know, the three percent range, the four percent range. You can throw in a few. Five or sixers, eights pushing it. I mean, I get what they're talking about. I know exactly what they're talking about, what stocks, but, you know, those things could blow up as well. So you got to be careful. So I don't don't think uh, dividend investing is for the faint of heart. Does that help you? Yes, sure, yes. I also think you can't do it alone. So... Uh, we'll talk more about that, Gordon, if you want to hold on. I'll talk yes. about some tips for dividend investors when we return. And, folks, if you want to learn about some of the stocks that pay, you know, I'm looking at a list, 6.5% dividend, 6.35, solid companies. And if you want to know about the 8% dividend payers that those guys are referencing. Now, realize, dividends could be cut. Companies can go down in value after you buy it. So you don't just buy something because some guy on the radio tells you, hey, it's a good stock to buy. You want to come in for a review at 888-988-JOSH. We'll meet with any of you over the comfort of your own home with phone appointments, Zoom appointments, whatever Microsoft Teams appointments or in-person meetings. I have just two spots left this week. So call me, 888-988-JOSH. A lot of you are taking the summer to reevaluate your portfolio. Now is the time because the market is up, actually, to sell some things that maybe you didn't like how they performed in the last crash because some analysts are suggesting recession coming later uh, this year, early next year. So call us, 888-988-JOSH. 888-988-JOSH and request your 45-minute wealth strategy session. So, Gordon, I mean, the big tips with dividend-paying investing. So when we have a client who says, I want a dividend-paying portfolio, you don't want to have it all in one sector. So you might have a bank in there. You might have a delivery company. You might have a tech company. You may have a telecom company. You may have a retail company. You may have a financial company. You may have some energy companies. So one tip is make sure you don't have it all in energy. I mean, energy is where you can get the sixes, the eights. So when you're building out a dividend-paying portfolio, and this is something we could do for you or any of our listeners if you call, 
is I'm just overly simplifying this here. You might have one-tenth in energy, one-tenth in utility companies, one-tenth in banks, one-tenth in insurance companies, one-tenth in computer companies, one-tenth in telecom, one-tenth in mail, one-tenth in uh, consumer staple goods. Now, typically, though, if a company pays a really high dividend, like some of these ETF that he, he was mentioning, you know, we don't know how they've weathered uh, downturns. And some of these are like where they bought by uh, covered calls against certain stocks, you know, or, and some of these ETFs are rather new. Some are municipal bond funds. So again, you know, you wouldn't want to have more than 5 or 10% in any one of these sectors because what if the sector blows up? So I hope that helps you. But we yeah, can research all the holdings. And, I mean, generally, that 3 to 4% is probably going to be a, a safer dividend payer, if, if you even want to use that word. I don't believe any stock is 100% safe. But I don't know if that helps you. Any other questions? Uh, no, not at this time, Josh. Uh, you've been uh, very helpful, and uh, uh, th thank you for keeping uh, keeping time open for us people to call in on the 800 number. Yeah, not everybody does that. So, folks, if you have a chance, if you just want any financial question answered, now is your day. This is your live open line. You know, a lot of people going to podcasts, we are – evolving our podcasts in coming weeks. So you want to make sure you subscribe to the Financial Quarterback Podcast. We can do a lot of new and funky things. But one of the things that I will always pride myself in and one of the things that you can do is call us, that, that we are giving you live opportunity to interact. We also have an investment committee, Gordon, where if you want us to research some holdings you have, um, you know, maybe from a standpoint of risk and all of those things, you call us and you get things reviewed. And we can score your top five holdings from a standpoint of fees, risk, and taxation. You know, some investors are breathing a sigh of relief but do you really think the economy is good? No. I'm going to talk to you about why I believe there's been a disconnect lately from a potentially troubled economy and a rising stock market and what you can do about it. Well, number one, the economy is distinct from stock market. Politics generally has no business with stock market investing. And what I mean by that is, other than those examples where Target goes woke, sells a certain type of bathing suit, they get a boycott. I know many people, they're not shopping at Target ever again. Or people ever going to Disney again. Or people who are canceling Disney Plus memberships over what they've... Uh, believe as grooming uh, because of the attacks from 
Ron DeSantis and others against some of Disney's practices. So, but other than those kind of general examples, you know, it's like the example I gave at Dubbar. People say they use soap, and that that other soap, you know, it hurts my hand, so I'm going to pick Dove. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I remember, you know, Sitco. People don't like Sitco because of Venezuelan government, but, you know, I was driving the other day through Maine, and Sitco's on every, like, rest stop. They didn't get the memo of the boycott against Sitco. So generally, stocks have nothing to do with politics. And it doesn't mean that uh, when a company takes a political stance, it's trouble for its investors. What I'm referring to is business triumphs over politics. CEOs and workers find a way to do it even amidst political pressure. So whether Obama is your guy or Trump or Clinton or Bush or DeSantis or Biden, you know, these companies have to make payroll. They got to make a profit. And generally, you want to focus on good companies. And that's precisely what we would do if you want to anal- us to analyze your stock holdings. So are we out of the economic woods right now? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have no clue. It doesn't look like it. But I'll tell you why I think the market is rallying. One, you've heard the narrative that rates might go down because inflation is starting to cool. That's probably the number one reason why the stock market has been buoyed. Number two, I think people are on vacation in the summer. Things grow complacent. I think when people will wake up and realize, hey, we're in a, you know, we are in a worse economy than we thought, maybe early next year, maybe October after people go back to work, maybe somewhere around Yom Kippur. There's that traditional period from Yom Kippur to Rosh Hashanah where you sell on Yom Kippur, you buy in Rosh Hashanah. Uh, That may prove true again this year. Somewhere around the fall equinox or January of next year. Why do I say that? You know, just kind of being an observing thing. I, I don't know if it's the cycles. I don't know if it's just observational. I find that People in the current state of the stock market, you know, Stan Harley talks about the seven-year cycle, the four-year cycle, the 40-month, whatever. I think about every other year, people want to panic about their money. They sell, and then they say, hey, you know, it's not that bad. And then they come out, and they buy, 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 they invest, they invest, they invest. So long as our country props up the economy through the means of the Fed and all these other things that we're trying to do, I think that, you know, generally the the whole seven-year business cycle seems to be replaced by some type of two-year boom and bust cycle, where it reminds me of the amusement ride 
called Free Fall at Great Adventure years ago. I remember it would drop and then it would rise. It would drop and it would rise. It would drop and it would rise. And it's almost like there's no reason it's rising, no reason it's dropping. Now, sure, we make sense of it that some economic data point happened, but I wonder if it's sort of like how bears hibernate. It's us, how we are creaturely. So that's kind of my point there. The other reason the market is being propped up is the economy as we know it is really on thin ice, but every other week you're putting money into the economy through your 401k deposits. And so it is in essence a floor for the stock market. What is the number on that floor? Seems to be that even in the worst panic we had, which was COVID, and then June of 22 and October of 22, worse the market seemed to go down, it was like 20%, and then it goes up again. Now, there might be a time where people stop believing in the market. But so long as everyone's putting a slice of their pay into the economy, it acts as a floor for stock activity. I think that reason alone is why the stock market, not alone, but in concert with these other things, inflation cooling, the potential for interest rates to cool. I also would argue that higher interest rates are not bad for granny and grandpa. They're actually very good for people living on a fixed income. They're good for pension companies, good for insurance companies. So I think finding some equilibrium may be there. Now, I'm starting to see cracks in the economy. Will they realize themselves next year? Probably. That every other year thing may hold true. That 2022 was a low year. Maybe 2024 is a low year. 2020 had a low. Maybe that's it. But here's the thing. You can't live your life based on prognostication. Call us at 888-988-JOSH, and we will put together a battle plan amidst the recession that people have talked about that may be here in six months, three months. This has been like the longest talked about session that's never happened. So give us a call, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. Don't touch that dial. Tune in to the financial quarterback, Josh Jelinski, this weekend and learn how to protect your financial future in a down economy. Josh and his team at the Jelinski Advisory Group can help you lower your taxes and lower your risk in these uncertain times with a 27-point checklist designed to improve your financial health. Whether you're worried about runaway prices, fear of an upcoming recession, or a stock market meltdown, tune in to the financial quarterback and count on Josh Jelinski to call the play. 
For a free copy of Josh's book, The Retirement Reality Check, call 888-988-5674. That's 888-988-5674. Or visit Jalinsky.org. That's J-A-L-I-N-S-K-I.org. We have a ton of very interesting stories. Like, you know, you would think very slow week when, you know, the movie Barbie is occupying a lot of our, you know, thoughts. So we have an investment committee that does a crackerjack job. Christopher Meyer, Paul Murphy, Stan Harley. We have a young whiz kid named Andrew, uh, George Howard, the team. It was recently announced, this is from them, that the NASDAQ 100 will be rebalancing due to being overweight the seven top stocks. Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA, Amazon, Tesla, Meta, Google. I mean, this also looks, I don't want to sound like Bernie Sandersy, but it kind of looks like some level of corporate fascism when seven stocks account for 55% of an index. But... So, like, they exhibit a lot of control companies. And effective, the 24th, will be trimmed to at least 40% of the index. This will have very broad effects on the share prices of these companies due to a variety of factors. Consider all the money in ETFs, index tracking accounts. So, like, if you have a 401k and it says S&P or NASDAQ or whatever, most stock companies or total stock index, they will have these stocks as 1% to 3%. So if you have seven stocks and they represent 21 to 55% of your portfolio, they go down, that could make a difference. This is going to represent significant selling pressure on those top seven stocks and significant buying pressure on these smaller weighted stocks to get a rebalance boost. The net effect on the overall index will likely be rather neutral, but it could help support more breath coming through markets. So I firmly believe this is some type of rally in a bear market so that what will happen is, okay, we saw much of the stocks being driven by these seven stocks. Then maybe the, the growth in the next so many months will be this new breath. Because we, we have very shallow, we have no breath in this market rally. That's a concerning thing. CPI report this week came in better than expected, with core CPI up 4.8%. Year-over-year versus estimated 5%. And core PPI matching expectations at 2.6%. So I also, I always look at observational effects, kind of like Peter Lynch used to, you know, by the companies, I don't know if he did, you know, that you use for toilet paper or toothpaste or this or that or, you know. And I was out this week. We took the family on a uh, business research trip to the beautiful island of Prince Edward Island. I'll talk to you about that. It was just stunning, breathtaking. I mean, I've never been to a place like Prince Edward Island. It, it, call me an 888 Josh. Have you ever been to a place like Prince Edward Island? Meaning, 
to answer the question, you have been to Prince Edward Island. Some people say it's like northern Michigan or something, the Upper Peninsula. I've never been there. I've heard people love the UP, as they call it. But heck, forget the UP. I'm going to PEI. It was stunning. So call us at 800-321-0710 with any of your financial questions. Markets have reacted well to this and sprung higher. So some have incorrectly predicted negative price action or a sideways market, but the SME and NASDAQ are plowing through resistance levels, ignoring, ignoring the underlying breath, bond market concerns, Chapter 11 bankruptcies and recession predictors that many have been relying on. The fact of the matter is the market is pushing higher, and it might be prudent to capitalize till the technical signs of a short-term trend reversal occur. Additionally, the S&P breath indicator um, has flipped and begun confirming higher price action as well through other things. We'll talk to, to you about more indicators when we return from this uh, second to last break of the hour. And hey, I want to hear from you. So give us a call, 800-321-0710. Studo Kudos to Stan and our team for being on top of price action and not letting the economic doldrums that we see um, hurt our investors. So our increased allocations over the past few months means we've not missed as much of this rally as many would have if they were too conservative or went all to cash. It's also why generally, like I said, you have to divorce your political factions with how you manage your stocks. You want to build a plan. So I always tell people, whatever you don't want to lose, don't put in the stock market. Whatever you can hold on to for 10 years, put that in the stock market. And whatever you want to see, you might say, but I'm 70, Josh. Well, that's okay. If you have a million dollar portfolio, you can put half a million in guaranteed stuff, half a million and on, and you should be fine for the next 10 years. A lot of interesting insights from our investment committee. Now, we're talking right now about breath in the economy, which is that much of the rally of the last so many months from the banking crisis, I mean, just remember how bleak things looked three, four months ago. The banks were on the verge of collapse. Remember that? But what happens when we don't rescue a company or when we let them go. So what Janet Yellen did is in one sense, very good because it gave people the peace to continue as usual in the banking market. So what I'm worried about is economy's on thin ice. Things could go down at any moment, but uh, this whole aspect of, indexes rebalancing. And this is where I said a week or two ago, but the, uh, the, the BlackRock CEO said, we're done with woke investing. We're not going to use the favors ESG. And I said, they already won. They have already established those mandates at all these big companies. You don't think they have? This will have very broad effects on share prices due to a variety of factors. So maybe we'll get that breath thing. So, there's a lot of things that might suggest 
turning attention to the lagging indexes. So which indexes has have lagged? The S&P and NASDAQ have gone up, but the Dow, the New York Composite, which is the broadest index, and the Russell continue to remain largely contained under the resistance levels, meaning they still show bear market. This should continue to serve as a reminder that we are not in an economic recovery, but rather a prolonged bear market rally driven by complacency. The yield curve inversion has reached some key thresholds with regard to the depth of the inversion. I read an interesting research article on the subject that back-tested strategies once a certain threshold of inversion was meant. And the article argued that an optimal strategy was some type of exposure. The author noted that gold is likely to find strength through economic turbulence while equity markets enter recession as the yield curve uninverts. Historically, however, just buying gold or just shorting equity yielded inconsistent results with naturally high risk, whereas the likelihood of catching a larger winner on one side of the spread trade balance both returns and risk much more favorably. So give us a call. We would love to hear from you. 888-988-JOSH. 888-988-JOSH if you want your portfolio reviewed. We'll also take your calls at 800 Three two one zero seven ten. If you have a call for the show, feel free to call me with any financial question you have. So many of you have a four hundred one k, right? Your largest investor, your largest investment, or an IRA. Did you know that your largest investment has a partner? That partner is Uncle Sam. So give us a call, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674. And a lot of people are talking about direct indexing. We've been doing this for years for clients who wanted it, but basically you build an index So instead of just buying a fund, you build a direct index. We can do that for you if you want. Um, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon is once again kind of in the, uh, how would you say, kind of in the dark times. And we're going to remember Harry Markowitz. So J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon is chiding managers who work from home. Tell you about why he's probably going to be uh, wrong. And next, David, go ahead. You're on with Josh Jelinski. How, how do you compare the you have? Sometimes you have forecasters who work with cycles. How much, how much do you depend on them? How much attention do you pay to them? I've found, I mean, we have a cyclical analyst on staff who firmly believes in them. I think I use them as a part of the guise of the overall investing thesis. Meaning, so I listen to cyclical analysts, but you could have one cyclical analyst who says things are bearish and about to go to hell, and then another says they're bullish and things are going to rally. Now, we've had two in the middle of the banking crisis, so it was scary. 
three, four months ago, Stan Harley was bullish. He's a cycles analyst. And some guy, Anderson, who was a cycles analyst, who I actually thought his work was it's a great guest, but his work was not as robust as Stan. And then we've had McClellan, who was bearish when Stan was bullish. So I use it as a part of the overall research. I don't use it solely. I look at what the government's doing. I look at what the Fed's doing. I look at company fundamentals. We look at technicals. So we have all of them represented in our investment committee. So we don't just blindly follow one person's claims. Does that make sense? So it makes sense, but so so do you, do you keep a record of which which ones are most accurate? You follow their their forecast, Yeah, but that I, doesn't I, I, necessarily matter because you could have a guy who was accurate. I find that they're accurate, you know. And then if it's a newsletter person, they tell you their successes, not their failures. The reason I appreciate Stan is I know when he's right, I know what he's wrong. I know why he was right, and I know why he was wrong. I like that. Does that make sense? So we, we kind of keep track internally of his calls, and it's not so much for me about whether a cycles analyst is right all the time. It's do they have a methodology where if they're wrong, are they going to cover their trade? You know what I mean? Or are they just going to let their thesis block them? Like Stan always says something about there's some pithy statement that a man who doesn't change his mind will soon have no change to mind. Meaning, I don't care what the cycles analysts did like a year ago, two years ago. I care what they do today and if they're going to cover themselves if they're wrong. So I, I really wouldn't, you know, recommend just buying, you know, cycles-based newsletters. If you want it, you can. But, I mean, if anything, take us up on our free review at 888-988-JOSH, and we'll talk to you about the things that we look at, which is a holistic approach of fundamental analysis. And one of the things, uh, we remember Harry Markowitz, who passed. I, I also look at his... Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Harry Markowitz, member of Madsen's uh, Money's Academic Advisory Board, passed away on Thursday, June 22nd at 2023. 20, he was 95 years old. He won the Nobel Prize in Economics. He was named Man of the Century by Pension and Investments. So we also look at things like modern portfolio theory, which is what Markowitz was known for, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. Any other questions on that? Does that help? So a guy like Markowitz, he has a group that's still making forecasts based on his analysis? No, no, okay. Markowitz doesn't believe in in forecasts. He created something called modern portfolio theory, which is that you build an asset allocation or investment portfolio to maximize return for any given level of risk. So he called it, you chart what's called the investment frontier. So he actually did not really believe in stock picking or cycles. He would believe that you pick a blend 
of stocks. So he kind of created the, the theory of diversification and asset allocation and that you have this matrix where so if you're a, a moderate investor, let's say, you go between 40, 60% stock and 40% bonds and you don't really worry too much about cycles. So we also look at guys like that who say that there's nothing to do with that. The reason why I don't just follow that is I think so many people believe in that now that that is creating an inefficient market, even though Markowitz was known for the efficient market, which is basically diversifying you buy and hold. So if you're aggressive, you go 90, 100% stock. But it's still, you know, we still wrestle with modern portfolio theory. And I, and I believe in it to a point. But we also want to look at other factors. So give us a call, 888 josh We'd love to talk to you or any of our listeners who have questions on their portfolio. So June 22nd, a legend died in the investment industry. A legend known as Harry Markowitz, who created efficient frontier investing, which is basically you match a given risk allocation to an investor's risk profile. And to smooth out your returns, you might be a moderate investor with 60% stock, 40% bonds. I think much of the investment industry today is really wrestling with what he's talking about, with what he talked about. Um, you know, th there's been uh, the book, The Random Walk. I personally believe in the modern portfolio theory, but only because it's won the game. Now, there are wild swings in the market. We're seeing this every few years, 20, 25%, where if one looks at those swings, call it cycles, call it various economic exogenous events like COVID, you can take advantage of those periods in time because that's when fear reigns. You can buy more. We saw this in June of 2022. We saw this in October 2022. Nobody wanted to buy. Everybody was a seller. So Markowitz would have said, hey, don't sell. But people sell nonetheless. So you can look at opportunities. So I look at everything holistically give us a call 888-988-JOSH 888-988-JOSH we'd love to meet with you go over your portfolio and there is so much happening in the economic world like what seemed like a slow week actually a very major week market looks like it's going to hit you know rebound of its you know, prior levels in December of 2021. Now, what do you do? Do you plow all of your money back into the stock market? No. You look at everything. You look at cycles. You look at fundamentals. You look at guaranteed streams of income. And I always tell people, you build a portfolio for GSI, guaranteed streams of income. Meaning, if you have a three-legged stool, you have three legs on the stool. You have the stock market returns, you have your own returns, you have Social Security, and then you have guaranteed streams of income. 
you build a portfolio with all three so you don't have to get freaked out the next time the market crashes. So, folks, the best time to get a second opinion on your money is now. It's when the sun is shining and people are complacent about the portfolios. 888-988-JOSH. The preceding program was sponsored by the Jelensky Advisory Group. Any awards, rankings, or recognition by unaffiliated third parties or publications, including Five Star Wealth Manager, Advisory of the Year finalist by Senior Market Advisor, and Top of the Million Dollar Roundtable, are in no way indicative of the advisor's future performance or any individual client's investment success. No award, ranking, or recognition should be construed as a current or past endorsement of Josh Jelinski or Wealth Quarterback, LLC. Information regarding specific awards, rankings, or recognitions is available on the Wealth Quarterback website at Jelinski.org. All investments Strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Investment strategies such as asset allocation, diversification, or rebalancing do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. There are no guarantees that a portfolio employing these or any other strategy will outperform a portfolio that does not engage in such strategies. This broadcast should not be construed by any client or prospective client as a solicitation to effect or attempt to affect transactions and securities or the rendering of personalized investment advice. Due to various factors, including including changing market conditions, the information discussed in this broadcast may no longer be reflective of current positions or recommendations. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Josh Jelinski and Wealth Quarterback do not guarantee its accuracy, and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. The tax and estate planning information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as legal or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Investment advisory services offered through Wealth Quarterback, LLC.